guys, I'm Ange. And I'm Leslie. And welcome back to WTF True Crime and Other Shit. So how's it going? Pretty good. Good. How are you? So, I'm good. <laughs> Anything okay. exciting happening? No. No? Same old, same old. Yeah. Yeah. So after everything that we talked about last week, Xander has decided he does not want to do ball hockey this year. So. Oh, no. Yeah, so he's not even doing that, so that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Did he pick anything else? No, he just, it's because we're going out of town near the end of the season, he doesn't want to miss playoffs, so he doesn't want to play at all. Oh, well, that makes sense. Yeah. Now it's like, yeah. playoffs are like, they look forward to it, right? Yeah, that's the whole point of playing. That's yeah. So I'm like, all right. <laughs> um, but I did realize that this episode is going to be broadcast on Jordan's birthday. That's my 19-year-old for anybody that's listening, so happy birthday, Jordan. Happy birthday, Jordan. He doesn't listen, but that's okay. <laughs> Maybe he should. Maybe he should, Jordan. <laughs> uh, yeah, so nothing, other than that, nothing else is new. No, no, nothing new there. Absolutely nothing. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> so, uh, we do have some new listeners, which is really cool. And I didn't realize that we could actually see, like, the breakdown of, like, where they're from. I knew we could see the countries, but I didn't realize, like, within the country where we, where mm. you could see where they're from. So I just wanted to go over that real quick. Yeah. Because that's fun. So we have, in Canada, we have, like, 86% of our... Our listeners are from Ontario, which is to be expected. But then we also have Alberta, Quebec, BC, Manitoba, and New Brunswick. So we have quite a few provinces. Uh, in the U.S., there's 41% from Utah, which is crazy. I don't know hey, Utah. Utah! Hey, Utah! <laughs> 24% from North Carolina. Go Canes! I'm a huge, huge Canes fan, so I saw that. I was like, oh my god! <laughs> so if anybody that's listening in North Carolina loves the Canes, go Canes! Anyway, I'm excited. <laughs> Um, then we have New York, Texas, Michigan, and California. We Hello. love you guys, too. We do. Absolutely. <laughs> Just because I love the kids doesn't mean I love you guys in the U.S. <laughs> and then we also have Colombia and England, which is a new one. And then we also have someone from Ukraine. So that's awesome. Yeah. So, it's yeah. crazy to think that, like, you know, halfway across the world is, like, people I'm, listening to us. I know. It's, it's crazy. Like, yeah. I, that's crazy exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm super excited. Me, too. And I'm pretty sure the Ukraine guy is our music guy because we actually hired someone to do an intro for us because we've had no intro forever and we need yes, one. Yes, so. it's been very uh, stressful, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm always like, when are we going to get music? We need music. What are we going to do for music? <laughs> so finally we're like, we're just going to hire someone. Yeah. So he is from the Ukraine, so hope, I guess that was him. So hello. I can't hey. I'm so sorry. But thank you for making our air music. It should be on this episode. Fingers crossed. So if you don't hear it on this episode, though, it'll be on the next one for sure. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, that's really all I had to say. So I just, first of all, I just wanted to kind of warn everybody, we both got a bit of sniffles here, so if you hear us, do, I'm just getting over a cold, so it's a little, yeah, little intense. Yeah, and mine's so. just an ongoing thing, so <laughs> I will probably always have sniffles, but that's, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, but you have stuff to help with that. I do. <laughs> so. so, just so you know, if you hear us sniffling, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> well, I'm going to try my best not to, but... I mean, too, sometimes no, no promises. Yeah. Uh, so for this episode, we are going to be discussing the Amityville house story. Oh, um, I just want to say, sorry, whoop. before we get started. <laughs> last last time I lied because I said, oh, we're not going to be doing a true crime one next time. But when I, I, when I was doing Amityville, I didn't know anything about the true crime stuff. That oh, happened. no? No. So I was like, oh, it is a true crime story. So it's both. It's true crime and it paranormal. It is both, yes. So I yes. But anyway, sorry, continue. Yeah. <laughs> I cut you off a lot. No, that, oh, that's fine. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so yeah, so mo- probably a lot of you have heard of the Amityville horror house. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Horror house. I should not specify that. Yeah, not the only sorry. 
sorry. As soon as I said it, I'm like, that doesn't sound right. Um, <laughs> so there are a number of movies that were made based on these stories, uh, but we're going to base our podcast on the actual facts. Uh, so the Amityville House was located at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville, Long Island, New York. The address has since been changed to 108 Ocean Avenue to try to deter tourists. But, I mean, really, that I don't see how it would really help, because they know no. what the house looks like, they know where it is. Well, and they know that it's been changed. <laughs> they know it's been changed to 108, <laughs> so, so, I mean, uh, I don't think that's going to help. But anyway. Yeah, maybe some not-so-smart tourists would get confused, maybe. maybe. Who knows? <laughs> uh, it is a three-story Dutch colonial home with five bedrooms, 3.5 baths, a swimming pool, and a boathouse. Seems like a pretty nice house to me. Yeah. Yeah. I would love a boathouse and a pool. I would just love a swimming pool, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the Defoe, and I think I'm saying that right, Defoe? I think it's Defoe, yes. Defoe? Yeah. Family moved into the home in 1965. Louise and Ronald Defoe Sr. were the parents, and they had five children. Ronald Jr., Don, Allison, Mark, and John. Ronald Defoe Sr. was a car salesman, and he was allegedly abusive toward his, towards his son, Ronald Jr. Ronald Jr. had a troubled childhood, which led him to substance abuse. He had actually threatened his father with a gun in the past. Ronald Jr.'s parents let him live at home with a weekly stipend as he could barely hold down a job. They thought that this would help with his behavioral issues and substance abuse. That seems like a hell of a deal, though. You don't have to work and your parents are going to pay you anyway. Yeah. I mean, but okay, more power to them. On November 13, 1974, Ronald Jr., who was 23 years old at the time and the oldest child, shot and killed his parents and his four younger siblings in their home. Don was 18, Allison was 13, Mark was 12, and John was 9. He used a 35 Marlin rifle to commit the murders. He killed them while they were asleep and positioned their bodies on their stomachs. There was no sign of a struggle and no trace of any drugs in their system. The neighbors didn't hear any gunshots, even though no silencer was used, but they did report that they heard the family dog barking. How the hell did he do that? Yeah, I don't know. How did they hear the dog but not the gunshots? It makes no yeah, sense. like the gunshots would be much louder than the you dog, would think. think. Ronald Jr. had taken a bath, redressed, and discarded evidence such as bloodstained clothes, the rifle, and cartridges. He then went to work as usual. On the day of the murders, Ronald Jr. left work early and went to a bar called Henry's Bar. He called home repeatedly, but there was no answer. He complained to several bar patrons that nobody was answering his calls. So that was kind of like setting up his alibi, I guess. Yeah. About 15 hours after the murders had taken place, Ronald Jr. returned to the bar around 6.30 p.m., yelling, You've got to help me. I think my mother and father are shot. A small group of people went to the home with Defoe and found his parents dead in the house. One of the group members, Joe Yeswit, called the Suffolk County Police Department. Police arrived and searched the home. They found all six bodies. It was noted that the parents had been shot twice, while the siblings had all only been shot once. Evidence also suggested that Louise and Allison had been awake at the time of their deaths. Defoe claimed that he heard voices telling him to kill, and that he couldn't control it, but his story has changed multiple times. He attempted to enter an insanity plea, even though he eventually confessed, saying, quote, Once I started, I just couldn't stop. It went so fast. Unquote. The trial began on October 14, 1975, 11 months after the murders. He was convicted on six accounts of second-degree murder and was sentenced to six concurrent sentences of 25 years to life. So concurrent means served at the same time. So he received six sentences but was serving them all at once. Yeah, I had to look that up because I didn't know what that meant. <laughs> See, and I thought it was 
like back to back to back to back. Yeah. Like so I think that's consecutive. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. But I was just like, I don't know what that means. So <laughs> so, so really he got six, but he only was serving basically, basically one because they one. were all at the same time. Which is ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. In a 1986 Newsday interview, he claimed that his sister, Dawn, killed their father and then his mother was so distraught that she killed all of his siblings. He said he then killed his mother and he said that he took the blame because he was afraid that his uncle, Peter Defoe, and grandfather, Michael Briganti Sr., would kill him. His uncle, Peter, was a member of the Genovese crime family. In 1990, a 440 motion was filed to have his conviction vacated. At the time, he changed his story again to say that Don and an unknown assailant killed their parents and siblings and that he killed Don by accident when they were struggling over the rifle. He claimed the unknown assailant took off before he could get a good look at them. So now he's up to four killers. He's got Don, his mother, himself, and now this un- un- assailed, un- unknown assailant. So yep. yep. Just lots of people. <laughs> In the same 1986 Newsday interview, he claimed he was married at the time to a woman named Geraldine Gates and was living in New Jersey. He also stated that his mother called him and asked him to come home to break up a fight between his father and Don. He says he drove to Amityville with Geraldine's brother, Richard Romando, who could verify his story. Richard could not be located to testify in person, but an affidavit was received. Evidence was submitted to the court by the Suffolk County District Attorney's Office, suggesting that Richard did not exist and that Geraldine was living in upstate New York and was married to someone else at the time. Authorities secured a statement under oath in 1992 where she admitted that Richard was not real. She did marry Defoe, but not until 1989, over 10 years after the murders. Did he not think that they'd be checking this out? And did he not think that, like, he went to the bar the day of the murder saying, you gotta help me, my parents have been shot, but he lives in New York. Like, he, like, he, he was drinking there earlier that day. Sound very bright. Like, he is not very smart. <laughs> like, get the story straight, dude. Yeah. His 440 motion was denied by Judge Stark, who wrote, quote, I find the testimony of the defendant overall to be false and fabricated. His testimony that during the fall of 1974, he was married and lived with his wife and child in Long Branch, New Jersey, is incredible and not worth a belief. He produced no corroborating evidence in this regard. Another reason for my disbelief of the defendant's testimony is demonstrated by a consideration of several portions of the trial testimony. He signed a lengthy written statement describing in detail his activities. In the statement, he said that he lived with his family at 112 Ocean Avenue in Amityville and worked with his father, that he usually went to and from work with his father, that he was ill and stayed home from work on November 12, 1974, that he was on probation for having stolen an outboard engine and had an appointment to see his probation officer in Amityville on that very afternoon. The girlfriend's, the defendant's girlfriend, sorry, Mindy Weiss, testified that she began dating the defendant in June 1974 and was with him frequently that summer and fall, unquote. Oh, this is still me. I'm sorry. <laughs> She's looking at me like I'm crazy over here. Still <laughs> me. On November 30th, 2000, his story changed again when he met with Rick Osuna, the author of The Night the Defoes Died. He denies talking to Osuna at all and stated that he left the interview immediately. But Osuna claims that he told him that he had committed the murders with his sister Dawn and two friends, Augie De Janeiro and Bobby Kelsky, out of desperation because his parents had plotted to kill him. He stated that he had a fight with his father and that Dawn had murdered the other siblings in an effort to eliminate them as witnesses. He said he was furious that Dawn had done this, 
so he knocked her unconscious onto her bed and then shot her in the head. Police did find traces of unburned gunpowder on Dawn's nightgown, which Defoe states proved proves she discharged a firearm. However, at trial, a ballistics expert testified that unburned gunpowder is discharged through the muzzle of a weapon, indicating that she was in close proximity, but not necessarily that she had fired the weapon. Another story that Defoe told the police is that a hitman named Louis Fellini killed them while he was forced to watch. How many stories is that? Like six? Oh, you know. (laughs) Every time he did a new interview, oh, it's a new story. (laughs) Maybe they'll believe this one. Uh, So ultimately, Defoe did die in a New York correctional facility on March 12, 2021. So just a little, little over two years ago. So we are now going to talk about what happened when the next family moved into the home. On December 18, 1975, the Lutz family moved into 112 Ocean Avenue. They bought the house for $80,000, which is around $485,600 today. Two parents, George and Kathy, two sons, Christopher and Daniel, and a daughter, Missy. They had stated that they were unaware of the murders and simply fell in love with the house. A lot of the furniture left behind from the Defoe's was still in the house as it was included for $400. On the day that they moved into the home, a priest came and blessed the house. George stated that the priest said he felt a hand slap him in the sewing room and told him to get out. The priest, Father Ralph Picaro, Picaro, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. We are never claiming that we're going to pronounce names, right? So we apologize if we butcher all of them. Anyways, Father Ralph corroborated (laughs) this. George Lutz had a history of dabbling in the occult. His son stated that this is the reason why the spirits targeted him. George's temperament changed after they moved in. He became moody, cranky, and distraught. Several strange things started happening as well. Doors were ripped from their hinges, cabinets were slammed shut, green slime oozed from the ceiling, which that one... The other ones, like, I could imagine, Mm -hmm. but that one, it seems odd to me. Yeah, and I also read while I was doing research, sometimes they said it was green, sometimes they said it was black, so they didn't even have the color right, so I don't don't believe in that one either. Yeah. There were also strange odors, random sounds, and cold spots that couldn't get warm, even with the heat and fires in the fireplaces. The garage door is said to open and close, and it said that something knocked a knife down in the kitchen. There are are also reports of a pig-like-looking creature with red eyes staring down at them from a window. That Ugh. was terrifying. I would have moved out right then. <laughs> yeah, me too. Like, there's no fucking way. <laughs> no, I'm out of here. Peace hey, guys, out. let's go. Yeah. <laughs> George said in an interview with ABC News in 2006 that he would wake up at 3.15 a.m. nearly every day. This is the time that the Defoe murders were believed to have happened. Missy, who was five at the time, began playing with a new mysterious friend, a pig with green eyes this time, named Jody. Kathy began dreaming about the murders. She knew who slept in each room and which room each person was murdered in. She also knew the order in which they were murdered. Kathy also felt as though she was aging unnaturally fast, and this was also witnessed by her mother. There was one room in the home that would attract flies even though it was winter. There were also ho- cloven hoof prints in the snow, and they saw demon faces in the fireplaces. Like, why? Why were they still there? Like, yeah, there's no way. <laughs> The Lutzes discovered a hidden room in the basement that wasn't on the original blueprint. The room was painted blood red and was only big enough for two people. The room gave, gave off such a bad odor, and the dog even refused to go in. George later said, quote, It's the only time I can recall him ever cowering away from something, unquote. One time, George heard a band playing downstairs, but there was no one there when he went to check. 
The rug was rolled up and furniture was moved as if to create a dance floor. <laughs> so fucked up. <laughs> so fucked up. Yeah. On January 14th, 1976, Kathy was apparently transformed into an old woman and levitated from her bed. The same night, George heard the children's bed slamming up and down on the floor. He said he was paralyzed by an invisible force, so he couldn't get up to go and help. This was the last night that they spent in the house. They left the next morning, abandoning most of their furniture and possessions. They only lived in the house for 28 whole days. I just find that strange, though, because usually if a house or whatever is haunted, it's the people that were killed there is doing the haunting. Yeah. Why are there demons and pig-like creatures and why it's turning into an old lady? Why is all that happening? That's yeah, so crazy. that's weird. Yeah. If, if that happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Two months later, in March 1976, a local TV station did a segment on the house and brought in ghost hunters to look into Lex's claims. Have you ever watched any of those, like, ghost hunter shows? Um, I've only, like, seen bits and pieces and never watched a whole one. I love that shit. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, freaks me out, though. Like, I have yeah. to watch it with the lights on and everything. But... I should. I, I like it, so yeah. I really should watch it. I just, I don't watch a lot of TV, to no. be honest. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I find it fascinating. <laughs> yeah. I still haven't watched that documentary yeah. you told me to watch. But now we're getting off into a tangent, so. What documentary? <laughs> the Murder on the Oh, yeah. I haven't watched that one yet. No? No. Oh, man, you should. I know. That's, like, I know the story, and I'm listening to another podcast about it now. And yeah. I know everything. And see, I don't know anything so, about it. I oh, my God, watch I, it. I haven't heard anything about it. Because oh. in the back of my mind, I'm going to watch it, so I don't read any of the news articles or anything. Because I'm like, oh, it's I'm going to watch so the documentary, and I haven't yet. So. Like, yeah, you need to. That's a big thing right now. Yeah, I know. Like, I know. I see it all the time. We should actually say when we're recording this. We're recording this on March 20th. So yeah. the whole Murdoch <laughs> case and everything, as probably a lot of you know, is... A thing right now so we're yeah. trying to get Andrew on board so if you're listening to this you tag her and yeah, tell me to watch it tell her <laughs> to watch to it yes. listen to a podcast don't know like just the case of the Sunday scaries just did one so oh, okay I'm like they so have far behind on there part one yeah. and part two okay, okay fine. um also just one more thing we usually only record our episodes like a week behind so we're not too far behind if we're talking about stuff we're not too too far behind from when it'll be on. yeah so anyway yeah. let's get back to this case sorry guys <laughs> Uh, okay, so the ghost hunter team said it was like a psychic slumber party and took photos. One shows a ghost boy looking out from the bedroom. So we're going to post this picture on our socials. It's a little creepy. Um, people believe that this looks like John Defoe, the youngest Defoe sibling that was murdered. The TV team all agreed that there was a demonic force in the house. We're going to have actually quite a few pictures on the on the website, too. Like, on the, the Facebook. On the Facebook. That's how old I am. On the Facebook, on the Instagram. We're going we're gonna to post a bunch of pictures there, so make sure you check that out. Christopher Lutz has come forward to say that a lot of the details in the Amityville book were fabricated, but that some of it did happen. People claim that they made it all up to sell a story as they had financial issues, and their former lawyer, William Weber, said that he, George, and Kathy came up with the story over muddy bottles of wine. But Kathy and George passed a lie detector test, which I'm not quite sure how reliable lie detector tests are. I don't believe it. I think we've said that in another case. I don't really yeah. believe them. Like, I don't know. I feel oh, like... that was the last one. The yes, because like... yellow passed that yeah, lie yeah, yeah. case in the last case. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the lie detector test sucked. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't actually know that. I don't know either. Daniel has stated that the house ruined his life and he still has nightmares. He's now a stonemason and lives in Queens, New York. That was the youngest brother when, of the Lutz family that when they moved in. Of the Lutz family, yeah. Yes, okay. yeah. Just in case anybody was confused because we mentioned a couple of names. So. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of names. Yeah. 
James Cromarty bought the house in 1977, and he stated that he didn't have anything strange happen, but he did say having tourists frequent the property was annoying. He lived there for over a decade. In 2017, the house was sold for $605,000, which was $200,000 below the asking price. Two upper windows that look like eyes have since been replaced with regular rectangle windows. And they are creepy. Like, if you see these triangle windows, they look like they look weird. I don't want them. I hate triangle windows to begin with. They're, like, they're yeah. just weird. And they're creepy. Like round ones, too. I don't like round ones. Yeah, because they look like eyes. Like you should not have square window. <laughs> I like them. <laughs> Some other strange things to have happened are the author of Amityville, Jay Anson, stated that he didn't experience anything paranormal. But he did have a heart attack while he was writing the book, which he attributed to his heavy smoking. The person who took the book manuscript to the publisher had a fire break out in their car. Another almost drowned in their car when the manuscript was in the trunk. I don't like this manuscript. <laughs> what? I don't like this manuscript. No, like it's, I think just that itself is evil. Yeah. There was another person who had received the first two chapters. To, she had received those to read, and she died in a fire the night that she received them. Lots of fires. Yeah, fires and water. Yeah. The home is referred to as America's most haunted house, and the movie franchise has spawned over 17 movies. It's, like, way more than that, because I was reading a list, and I think there were 17 movies in 2022 alone. But there's a lot. So um, when I was researching, I actually found a list of some of the more out-there movies, and these are a couple of the ones that I thought that were pretty cool. Um, And almost all of them, like I said, came out in 2022. Um, so basically, to create a, I've seen to create an Amityville movie, you basically create whatever the fuck movie you want, slap Amityville on the, on the <laughs> title, and there you go. But, um, so one I found was Amityville Shark House, which was 2022, and the picture just shows a shark coming out of the roof, so I guess somehow there's a shark in the house, and okay. <laughs> there's Amityville Karen, actually I think all these are 2022, Amityville Karen, the synopsis for that reads, a cursed wine made of human blood turns a neighborhood busybody into a maniac. I'm going to post these movie covers, too, just because I think they're funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, another one in 2022 is Amityville Clown House. The tagline is, evil has a new address. And I'm thinking that they're referring to when it changed from 110 right. to 108. Yeah. So that one's a sequel. <laughs> if you can believe that, it's a sequel. The original movie was Amityville Toy Box. And in that movie, a cursed toy from the Defoe house comes to life and tortures a family. So the original was released in 2016, and then six years later, they decided to follow that up with a sequel. And then there's also Amityville Christmas Vacation, uh, and that came out last year, too. And that one is, the plot is a man wins a vacation to Amityville, where he falls in love with with a ghost, and that's (laughs) on Christmas. I don't know, like, how... These people have money to make these movies. I can't imagine they get money for them. Like, it has to be, like, them. the most low-budget thing Like, ever. I'm curious. Like, I kind of want to watch one now and yeah, just be too. like... Hmm. And there's one that actually wasn't on here that, um... What was it called? I think it was Amityville Turkey Day oh, or yeah. something. Yeah. And it, the tagline was, um... Happy Thanksgiving, Mother Clucker. And that freaking killed me. I loved it. I saw that. It must not have yeah, printed. It didn't print, but that's okay. I had to Because I read it when I was printing everything. Yeah, that was my absolute favorite. Because I thought that was funny, too. Happy Thanksgiving, Mother, Mother Clucker. Clucker. <laughs> so, yeah, I had to include that. I'm totally going to say Mother Clucker now. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Me, too. I love it. 
So, yeah, those are just some funny ones that I came across. I thought they were funny. I'm going to post the, the pictures, all the pictures and those funny movie um, posters, posters to <laughs> our social medias. Uh, if you have any cases that you want to hear, next one we're going to do a fun one. It's like it's the one after this is going to be posted on Easter Sunday. So it's going to be another themed one because I like to do the theme ones. So and then after that, um, we don't really know. We don't have a picked it yet. So. Uh, if you have anything at all you want to hear, we're open to suggestions. Yeah, because, yeah, we're going to pick the next couple. Yeah, we're going to pick the next couple as soon so. as we're done recording here, and then yeah. uh, we have nothing after that. So we want to hear from you. We want to know what you guys want to hear about. Please. Yes, because <laughs> we like picking them, but it'd be more fun to hear from you guys and hear what you guys want to hear about. Yeah. So um, so our Facebook is WTF True Crime Podcast. Instagram is WTF True Crime Pod and our Gmail is WTF True Crime Pod at gmail.com. So you can reach out to us at any of those and we will answer your messages and yeah, we want to hear what you want to say. So I think that's it. I think so. Thanks everybody. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you on Easter Sunday. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.